Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits and all right for EPL Index. Hi, I'm Zach. Um, you can find me on Twitter at ZachFast underscore AI. Um, I write for EPL Index and Anfield Index, and I've got a preview up on the site now. So if you want to check that out, please do. All right, thanks for joining us, guys. Up first, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. So, Dan, what's the news out of Arsenal? Uh, well, I guess no one was on Monday, so I'll talk about the Chelsea game. Um, a game happened. It ended nil-nil. No goals. No shocker. Um, yeah, Chelsea came came to get a draw. They got a draw. I'm fine with it. It was like a draw is a good result against Chelsea, even at home. Um, some people are complaining, like the whole... I don't know, if they want to beat Chelsea, obviously we all want to beat Chelsea. We want Finger to finally beat Mourinho, but when Chelsea come to put, come for a draw, they usually get a draw. Just, it's how it is. Um, but um, one thing, Arsenal fans really seem to have uh, really seem to have done a good here. They seem to have struck a nerve with either the media or Chelsea fans or something with that boring, boring Chelsea chant at the end. <laughs> because we have just turned the entire football community into a bunch of philosophers. I mean... What is are Chelsea boring? What is boring? Why are potatoes? It's just it's all it's know, all it's subjective. Really, it's it's I, it's it's a chant. And Chelsea Chelsea's social media account is just terrible. Their Twitter account is terribly unprofessional. But they have seemed to really been like, nope, nope, we're not boring. See, see, they can play head tennis. See, uh, it's it's really weird how much has been made out of the out of a chant. Uh, from fans, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, there are uh, much worse chants floating around the Premier League that are yeah, not discussed yeah, there constantly. Are. Yeah, yeah, much worse. <laughs> cursing and boring, boring Chelsea. But yeah. no, that gets all kinds of coverage. Um, and um, as far as Arsenal go, you know, the team I actually support, um, yeah, nothing's really happened again, which is kind of nice. Nothing actually happens now that we keep winning games. Uh, the only thing is uh, Matthew Debushi seems to have uh, picked up another little injury. This time a little injury, not a big injury. But uh, so he'll miss the whole game. Not sure how much longer he'll miss. But um, it's been a bad season for him. Just always hurt. Shame. But Hector Bellerin has stepped in very well. And, yeah. Yeah, really is, is it Bellerin that, uh, where you have the stat? Him or, I don't know if it's him or Coquelin where, like, you've won almost every match with them in the side. It's probably Coquelin. But um, because Bellerin was in a little before Bellerin was, in, I think he made his Premier League debut of a week before against Stoke. That that didn't go well. Um, if it's a set, it's probably Coughlin because he's only missed like one game since he came into the team, and we keep winning. But Bellerin's been very good. Um, 
But yeah, like I said, not a whole lot going on North because we keep winning and not having anything to talk about because everyone's fit too. It's nice. Really, really <laughs> weird and nice. All right, uh, as we come to the end of the season, you know, we, we talked a little bit ago about uh, the striking position at Arsenal. Then Thierry Henry's come out and basically said what we were kind of conversing about, which is you need a, a, a better striker to contend on all fronts. Do you still agree with that, or do you think Giroud's kind of your man going forward? Um, honestly, I think I, th- I think Giroud can't, maybe not Champions League title-winning standard. He's probably not, but I think we could win a Premier League hero up top if he continues to play the way he's played this season. He's been absolutely phenomenal. His conversion rate has, like, I don't think it's doubled, but it's gone up to, like, 25%, something around there. I haven't checked recently, but... He's finishing a lot of his chances. He's scoring in big games. He's doing it in every game, really, not just big games, every game. The fact that he was missing for the first half of the season is a big part of why we dropped so many points against the smaller teams. I think if we have him for a whole season, he continues to play this way. Granted, rotating him eventually so he doesn't get burned out like he did last year. I do think we can win a Premier League title. I'm not sure about Champions League, but I think we need to upgrade in a couple of other places to be contending for the Champions League. I think if we're going to upgrade we need um we need more and another central midfielder and possibly goalkeeper but um i wasn't a fan of terry's comments i think that was more born out of um did you guys see the article last week calling terry a terrible pundit which could be <laughs> yeah He's yeah not great. I saw that. yeah no i kind of think that was a response either directly from him or from someone at sky telling him be more decisive and be more controversial and he was he did a very good job of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the whole, and the whole, um, what was it? He said he'd uh, he'd bench Ozil to bring Fabregas back and yeah. not sign Sanchez. Yeah, that's um, yeah. that's, that's bold something. and incorrect, it's so- but it, bold. It's something. It's something. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna say what something is, but it's something. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, Thierry. I I really hope he doesn't become an awful pundit, or if he, or if he's going down that road, he gets out quick enough to go into coaching or something. I don't want him being Michael... I don't think he'll be Michael Owen, but I don't want him being anywhere near Michael Owen. Yeah, you don't want that to be a comparison that's, that could be made. Yeah, that, that's just... That'd be sad. That'd be really sad. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, uh, Zach, it's been a, been a little bit since we've had you back on. Things haven't improved from the last time when you were a little bit depressed. How are you feeling about him now? Oh, I'm feeling... I don't know. This is probably the lowest I felt about football for a long time. <laughs> It's not um it's not been a good couple of weeks. We've had uh, some bad results. The West Brom one was particularly galling because obviously United dropped points um the next day. Um and we've had a pretty bad week in general. We've uh, we've obviously lost to Hull. That was a disgrace really. Um there's just no direction in the team, no style. Like if you could say like if we weren't picking up points, but you could see sort of a direction. You know, like where we were going maybe for next season or if we had had a system all season where we were just like um, sort of pinpointing our weaknesses and improving, like we could we, like we could chill a little bit. But be, I think because of that and then obviously the results have been poor, um, it's, it's sort of just got to a part where everyone's just losing patience with Rodgers and his constant um, system changes that are usually borne out because eventually he just gets found out in a certain system and then he has to find a new one and then we take five games to get used to it and it's just, I think everything's just come to a head in the last um, two or three weeks, well, or four weeks, starting with the United game and then because that's obviously sort of when it all just went downhill. Um, 
It's not just that though. We've got other stuff going on. Um, Sturridge is out for the season, which was probably confirmed last week, but I think it was like completely confirmed this uh, against Hull. Um, Balotelli's on crutches now. Um, Flanagan's got to have another knee operation, which will keep him out for nine months. Um, and that's just on the on the squad side. Then behind the scenes, you've got everyone that I think Rogers pretty much lost most of the support now. Um, He's still blaming the season on these signings, which is really frustrating because if you remember when he made the call about Tottenham yeah. and the hundred million pounds, you it's like the title, yeah. exactly. And now he's just like, oh, but my I don't think anyone's going to forget that anytime soon. Yeah, they're not should they? To be fair, like he had no right to make yeah. that comment. It's a stupid thing to say. And like, and the most frustrating thing about this, all this, and like the behind the scenes stuff is apparently the rumors has it that the heads are going to roll. But rumour has it that Brendan Rodgers is not one. Apparently, it's the committee that's going to get it in the neck like and, and um, the scouts. So, it's going to be personnel changed, but I don't think it's going to be the right one. The right the right people changed. And uh, one of the weirdest things that came out this week, actually, is that, um, I don't know if you've heard of him, but we have a youth striker called Sammy Diesel. Mm. We signed off by Leverkusen a few, a few seasons ago. And he had a horrendous injury, but he was really well thought of before then. And all of a sudden, he was apparently rumoured, Twitter-wise, to be in contention for the squad. And because of this, he's been sort of lifted to like messy status, <laughs> and like he's like he's like the guy to save our season, and well, not save our season, but give us a ray of light, and then like lead us into the next season. And it's just uh, it's a little bit embarrassing. He was really good on FIFA like two years ago, to be fair. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's got a good game? record. Oh, maybe that's what someone <laughs> said on Twitter actually. Um, oh God! I can't remember exactly what he said. He said no, it was a joke. It was like, um, okay, okay, I hope, I hope, uh, I hope, Yeso plays tomorrow, and he um, somehow, I don't know, like he's rated shit like Kane was, but um, just becomes amazing overnight and starts scoring against everyone. <laughs> it's something like that. Doesn't he have to make some kind of deal with the devil there? It's yeah, exactly. Sure. How attractive is he? Because I think that was Kane's deal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can make two deals in one league. <laughs> uh, Must be a rule on that. <laughs> I'd imagine so. And if there's not, there will be one soon. Maybe we can yeah. outbid him. Yeah. <laughs> Give him some other souls as well. <laughs> that that might work out for you well. We're, we we just talked about Arsenal striker situation. Uh, I, I think we need to kind of have an honest discussion about Sturridge. Are you still thinking he's going to be the guy to lead the line going forward? Because this injury thing has is, is kind of gotten ridiculous of late. Oh, this is definitely a discussion that's been go- uh, been going down on Twitter and in articles for a while. Um, I think some people started to click onto this about January, and uh, I I just wanted to keep faith sort of thing because he was coming back, and then uh, around the time when we played Spurs at Anfield is around the time he came back, and we mm. all thought like, right now we'll kick on, but um, yeah, like this is a serious question mark over him now because it's sort of like Torres, like he was just about. He was pretty much done fitness-wise. And Chelsea, foolishly, came in with a £50 million bid, and it was serious. If someone came in now with, say, a £30 million bid for Sturridge, say, a PSG or, I don't know, Chelsea again, I don't know. But, like, we'd have to seriously consider taking that because this is this seems to be an asset that has already peaked. And, obviously, I can't tell the future. And I really, 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 really don't want to see him go. But there's there is a question like there is a debate definitely there to be had, and do we need to sign another striker or do we just need to sign another striker who can play with Sturridge when he's fit, and then but who is also capable of leading the line on his own when Sturridge is not fit? 
that's that's that could be the the best solution because then we have two world class talents, and then hopefully Sturridge can improve his fitness and not play like a quarter of the games. So I don't know. It's definitely a debate there to be had. Uh, who who's the player that's coming over from the the French league that you signed uh, after the last World Cup? Um, Origi. I, yeah. I don't think he's going to be. Um, well, I, I rate I rate the kid, but I mean like, he's only like eighteen, nineteen, so like he's not going to be that kind of guy who can replace Sturridge when he's not there. Definitely right. not yet. Oh, especially in his first year, and he's so young. Yeah, that's fair. Well, uh, best of luck to you on that. Uh, for Tottenham, um, <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time I've talked about Nabil Bentaleb signing a new contract, I could give Nabil Bentaleb a new contract. But he came out publicly this week and he was like, yeah, I'm going to sign a new contract. Which is all well and good, but just do it. Uh, it's really frustrating that I have to keep bringing this up and it keeps not happening. Um, while we're talking about contracts, uh, Dan and his Arsenal friends all got excited over a journalist saying that Hugo has a release clause in his contract. Um, I don't know Hugo Lloris' contract. I don't have it in hand. But Daniel Levy has never allowed for there to be buyout clauses in player contracts at Tottenham. And so while, you know, this gentleman might certainly have more information than me, it would be surprising that this would be the one where it would be allowed. So I do not think that that is the case. Um, still not really sure who would be in the race. The the recent um, kind of link is if Madrid go in for De Gea, that maybe Lloris would go to United. But we haven't sold in country for ever since Berbatov, if memory serves, um, of like elite level players. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens. I I had this whole thing planned out in my head um, where the the keeper at PSG Sirigu would replace Buffon at Juve when Buffon retired, but then he decided to not retire and signed a two-year contract, and I thought Hugo would take the PSG job in light of that, but uh, I, I genuinely don't know who would have the money and need to bring in Hugo Lloris, which is crazy because of how good he is. Um, but it'll definitely be one to watch throughout the summer. Um, as far as other rumors go, because not much has really happened uh, uh, real news-wise, uh, it looks like the current... Uh, crop that are on their way out are Soldado, Kabul, Lamela, and Kirakesh. There's been a huge debate over the value of Eric Lamela. I, I tweeted about it earlier, just that I still think he has a lot to offer, especially in Europe where strength isn't as required, where his technique is allowed to shine a little bit more. But if anybody comes in with 15 million plus, so basically half of what we paid, I, I kind of think we should, should move on. Um, we're already being linked with other wing options. We have Lennon coming back, which... You know, uh, apparently he's going to have to do some patchworking uh, to get back and, and stay long-term, which he might want to do to try to get, you know, to retire with Tottenham and, and have his testimonial and all of that. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Lamela uh, and Kirakesh is another name that's being uh, booted out. But the old group, I thought, made a lot more sense because I think Lamela and Kirakesh still have a lot to offer. Kirakesh's flexibility has saved us a couple times a season where he was either playing center back and got pushed to right back or when we lost Kyle Walker and we brought him in to play right back because Yedlin just apparently can't get into the side at all. But he is being finally named on the bench, but he, he's never been brought on yet. Um, wait, I don't think that's true. I take that back. I think he, he came on, on at least once. Yeah, least I think once. he came on once because I remember being really excited, American but I think we Twitter lost like, that match. Yeah. American football Twitter, like, Yedlin-gasmed. Yeah, we were really excited about it, and he hasn't seen the pitch since. Um, as for players coming in, there was 
One of really the funnier transfer reports I've heard lately, which was Andre Ayew held serious Skype talks with Mauricio Pochettino, um, which I just thought was a really interesting way to convey that news story. Uh, a lot of news kind of coming out that he'll likely end up in Italy, but would, would you know, link him again as players that could be on the uh, play out wide uh, if need be. Uh, Florian Thauvin, we're, we're also being linked with, another wing player slash attacking midfielder, which is something we need because short of Ericsson, we don't really have anybody that can play up the middle. Lamela was kind of supposed to be the backup option in there, but, you know, surrounding him with even more defenders isn't really ideal as he likes to just run into them. Um, the Schneiderlin rumors are back. People saying that Arsenal have now lost interest, which I don't know why. Um, I think Schneiderlin and Bentaleb would be a terrific midfield pairing, but just like the Depay stuff, I don't think he's coming. I do realize there's the Pochettino link, but better clubs are going to come in for him, and he would he if he came to Tottenham right now, he would start every week. He, that that isn't the concern, which is often the concern for quote unquote stepping up clubs, but Southampton have been just as successful for the last two years. So uh I, I think that that's a bit harsh on Southampton. Uh and, and so I think if Schneider wanted to take a step up and play every week, then we'd be a good option. But I don't think we'd be willing to pay the wages he, he wants. We're still on a relatively strict wage structure, even since Bale broke it. I think Lloris and Soldado and Adebayor are the only ones that are 100k plus. Uh, so I, I'm not really sure if we'd fulfill that requirement. But I will say, he, he I, I do think him and Bentaleb would be an excellent pairing. Um, but, you know, I, I doubt that'll come true. And then the Kevin Vimmer talks are still going on. Um, he's been signed and not signed so many times. It's, it's hard to keep track. But, you know, it's one of those, you know, there's no smoke without fire kind of things. Uh, and internally, according to, to some of the, the people with close connections to the club, it's already been done and it hasn't been announced as being done just for legal reasons. Kind of like what happened with uh, Diego Costa to Chelsea last year, where that was reported to have been done last February um, before he even made the move. So uh, only time will tell on that. I, I'm not really sure about all of them. I think Tovan makes a lot of sense. I think that one will get done. But AU and, and Schneiderlin, I'm not so sure about. All right, and now we're going to head into the topic. There was an article up. Um, for the Guardian today that was talking about how, you know, after a year with Liverpool breaking into the top four and after Tottenham did it, you know, in 2010, um, other than those years, the top four richest clubs in the Premier League have been in the top four. Uh, obviously, a return to form this year uh, in that vein with Liverpool dropping off with the loss of Suarez. So kind of my question to you is, who has the best shot at disrupting this trend, and how would they be able to to really buck that top four? Um, I'm not I guess sure. I guess another option is you don't think anyone will do it. Are we just talking next year, or even or just like, the near future? Because yeah, okay, it, near future. Um, it, unless new ownership comes in at the likes of Liverpool or Tottenham, the, the, those four are going to stay the richest. Yeah. Um. Hmm. I don't know who the best chance is to break it, but I know who I think the best chance is to fall out. <laughs> uh, I think best chance to break it is probably Liverpool, but I don't have a lot of confidence in that. I have them actually doing it, and I just think they might have the best chance. But um, yeah, I think I think the one who is most likely to fall out maybe next year would be um, City. To be honest, if yeah. they're in, 
they're in big transition and FFI. aging players probably going to bring aging in a new manager with little value Ronnie yeah. Allen probably manager and I don't know it's always the how much will FFP affect them but if it mm. does actually you know grow a pair of balls and seriously affect City and stop them from oh and cheating they cheated this week but um, <laughs> did you see that they um. I don't know exactly how it was, but it was like 150 workers. They had their wages transferred over to some other yeah. city-owned thing, which doesn't technically count onto theirs. They saved like 28 million. Well, well, this is what Scott was pointing out was his concern ever since the beginning of their partnerships with New York City FC and uh, the, like the team like in Australia. Is that yeah? In a blink of an eye, yeah. all kinds of assets can be shifted around for whatever is more profitable. Yep. But yeah. So I think City are the team most likely to drop out. I'd say, yeah, probably Liverpool are most likely to jump in. But again, I don't have a lot of confidence in saying that. I'm not sure anyone will break it next year or maybe even the year after. I don't know. It's it With Arsenal solidifying, Chelsea being Chelsea, United not dropping off again, and City just having a lot of money and a lot of crafty owners, it's... It's not going to be easy. It's well, well you raise an interesting point um, with Arsenal, which is, you know, as we've discussed before, you know, Wenger is probably going to be out in one or two years. How well do you think you'll handle that transition? Just because there doesn't seem to be a, a, a glute of managers that are on the move lately, uh, Klopp being the biggest name, but like we've said, <laughs> the odds of him signing on as an assistant for two years are low. Do you, do you think that could affect you long term? I think it could, but I think we will go through it much better than, say, United did with um, Fergie leaving. Cause they just, all, yeah. yeah, they just didn't have a good squad. Like, I don't think Wenger will leave the Arsenal squad specifically, even all the rest of the stuff. I don't think he'll leave the squad like he, Fergie did with United. I think he'll leave it in much better shape with better players. And, I don't know, that's what I'd like to think. Uh, and I think with Everyone pretty sure Wenger will leave the next year or two. I think they'll have time to prepare and find a successor not picked by Wenger, picked by, the, well, I guess Wenger probably does know more about football than anyone else on the board. So, I don't know, picked by somebody, <laughs> and hopefully it'll go well. But I think we do have the money now, the financial stability to um, to even say, maybe not quite do what United did and spend like $200 million when we're out of the Champions League, but spend a lot of money to, if we miss out one year, get us back in. Fair enough, Zach. That was that was high praise from him there, saying Liverpool are likely to break through. If if you were to do so, how would you think you'd need to go about it? I don't, uh, I don't think it was quite high praise. I think he said we were the most likely. <laughs> you were, you're clearly yeah, yeah, fifth. Yeah, calling you the best of the rest. You don't think that's that's what Liverpool should be aspiring to? Because it's kind of what uh, Rogers is suggesting every week. Yeah, well, Rogers is a tool. <laughs> Uh, no, um, I do agree with Dan, to be fair. Um, it, out of the three that are chasing, we are probably the most likely to break into the top four. But at the same time, it's really, really unlikely because those four clubs now are just so so solidified financially. It's crazy. Like Sometimes, even when I'm just not thinking about football, well, I obviously I am because this is football, but I'll be, I won't be doing anything. I'll just be sat there and I'll just think, how can Liverpool finish in Champions League like four years in a row when if they're just finishing it once, United will spend 200 million or City will spend 300 million or City will just buy another club? The City hmm. probably just buy Liverpool if they fell out of the top four. <laughs> like, and then just change the colour of the kits and exactly. they're like, oh, we're in the Champions League. 
It's just they do, you know what I mean. They go and they loan all of Liverpool's good players to um, uh, City, and you yeah. know that's how they'll fulfill their homegrown requirements. And all that. <laughs> I have these? I have these. John, Fle- John Flanagan discussed Cafu going to uh, City on loan. <laughs> Imagine, yeah. Uh, there's only I think there's only one way really to uh, to break the top four, and that is to do sort of what we've been doing, and that is to sign young players at a cheap price. Well, that's what we were doing until last summer, and then we just obviously spunked the Suarez money up the wall. But, well, like, that's, I think that's, that's harsh how you because do it. there are a lot of comparisons between our bail money and your Suarez money, and I think yeah. both of them were fairly similar, where you got two players for now and three or four for the future, right? So, like, Markovic right. to Lamela, you're bringing in young, talented wingers that project forward. We got Ericsson, you got Lalana, who is mm-hmm. older than people will tend to understand. Everybody keeps talking about him as a great young prospect, and he's already 26. Um, but I, I agree that that's the way that we have to do it, but I think it's harsh to say that you squandered that money just because you need more time to be able to to judge yeah. that. Although you did need to kick on from strength to strength and get Champions League two years in a row, which buying these players did not accomplish. Yeah, it's just the reason to say that is because um, the three Southampton players... Proving the put like the bad the bad value that they have done has like sort of placed pressure on the other signings. For example, Markovic, as you say, is one for the future, mm. like quite like Lamela would be. And but because he's twenty million pounds, and like we need him now because those three signings have literally not worked at all. Like and he's been shifted around because of the systems. It's sort of I don't know. Even me, like you sort of get warped into thinking like. All the signings are bad. Like Emre Jan has been really, really good, but he'll sort of like make like two mistakes or something in a and week. And everyone gets on his back. And, and we're just like, oh shit, maybe it really, maybe we've not spent any of the money good. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just it changes every week. It's just shifting sands all the time. But yeah, that's what maybe, to, to a certain extent we've we have continued that that trend because Moreno at sixteen million, I think, will be a good player. Emre Jan at eleven million, I think, will be a really good player. And Markovic is obviously very talented, but he needs he sort of needs to like bulk up and find what his uh, favorite position is, and he needs a manager who's going to believe in him as well and let him express himself. So there's all these things that need to happen, but certainly if trying to find good deals in the uh, in the market with young players is is the best way to go about it. Yeah, well, if if that's the case, then Tottenham have just as good of a chance. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Um, obviously, no bias coming from this Tottenham supporter. Um, None at all. None. <laughs> I, I remember, uh, uh, and when I was writing up the topic, I, I couldn't help but recall there was an article about two years ago. Um, and it was right after we had finished fifth again uh, when we needed Newcastle to beat you guys 
to to make that top four when Bale thought he'd scored the winner to put us into it because it was one one at Newcastle. Oh, uh, I can't even. Um, so that was still amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not. not, but I am. I know. Uh, <laughs> um, you're sorry to me, but not for Tottenham. I get it. I get it. Um, and I, I can't help but but instantaneously recall this article that was written by a really sad Tottenham fan the day after that match. And it was about the limited supply of fossil fuels on this earth and how that in 15 to 20 years, Tottenham had a great chance at the title because all of the oil barons wouldn't be able to sponsor football clubs anymore. And I've always kind of... That's, I'm sorry, it's really funny. <laughs> I know! I've, I've always loved that that kind of like eternal optimistic <laughs> pessimism. That Tottenham fans are able to jointly convey. Um, and I think it's an interesting point to, to what you were saying with City being the likely ones to drop out. It just it brought that to mind. But, yeah, it's going to be very difficult. Um, especially if the, the, the touted United deals are already done. For Gundogan, or however we're saying that. And Memphis Depay. I think that just solidifies it really hard. Um, the, that they're going to maintain that their placement up there. Um, obviously Falcao's likely to leave, but, you know, when they finally started playing Rooney as a that's, striker that's again... probably addition by subtraction. <laughs> right? When, when they finally started playing Rooney as a striker again, he started performing well. Gasp. Um, but yeah, it, it is going to be crazy hard to break in. You know, Tottenham have had kind of talks on and off over the last couple of years with a few investors, with the Guggenheim group earlier this year. Um, but now that the stadium is officially happening, I, I think that means Enoch would want to at least stay till it's almost completed and then kind of sell it as a new asset as opposed to something that's that's in development um because then they can point at revenue and everything revenue projections and be like this is what it will be as opposed to right now how it, how it would kind of be a gamble but yeah if new ownership doesn't come in i think it would be hard for any team uh to break through i agree that liverpool and tottenham are on very similar tracks um liverpool obviously being bigger and and with more history but I think we're, we're. I think the table accurately represents the the process that we're both going through, kind of simultaneously, which is bringing in. You know, I, you brought in more domestic players than we did. We brought in all foreign players, but they all seem to have fallen a little short of the mark. I mean, even Eriksson is starting to show the first cracks in, in in his gameplay, which you know was the one that we were hanging our hat on. Like Eriksson was the guy that we brought in that's been great. Uh, Nasser Chadley was a very underrated buy for us for seven million. Uh, from Twente, but but short of that, you know, these aren't players that are going to get you Champions League. These are good players, um, but but they're not probably top four quality at this point, but they are very young, so hopefully they'll grow into that. But, you know, can Kane keep doing what he's doing? Maybe. If we lose Lloris, is Michelle Vorm good enough? If we lose Vertonghen, who else are we going to bring in to replace that? It, it It's unlikely for us, in all honesty. Um you know, first episode of podcast season three. Of course, I'm going to be talking about how top four is the the goal, but whether or not it's likely at this point in, in this stage and being as far behind as we are financially, because it's like the top four are all pretty close, and then Liverpool are about a hundred million behind, and then we're another hundred behind that. So, just overall revenue doesn't seem to be the the, the case. I do think it's interesting that while it does separate the top four, it isn't in order by any stretch with United and City. Um, being the two most uh, uh, profitable of all, well, not profitable because Arsenal's second in that, but club worth as a whole. Um, it, it is a bit skewed in that way that Chelsea are fourth, but first. 
But, you know, we're, we're talking about the difference between billions of pounds. Um, so maybe it's not that impactful, but I do think it would be very hard for anyone to break in in the near future. All right, and from that very depressing topic, we're going to move on to Player Watch. We're each going to be discussing a player that we'd like to see join our sides and a player that's likely to leave in the upcoming transfer window. Dan? Um, well, a player who... Uh... Uh, I'll go troll first. A player I'd like to see join. Hugo Lori. Hey. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> you have to admit that was ridiculous, right? Like, for one day, everyone's like, we're getting Lloris. He's Sol Campbell. People were at- Okay. <laughs> Bethby, I would love this to happen, but I just know it's not going to. Right, right. But I'm not, I'm not coming Lloris- at you, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, no, for a whole yeah. day on Twitter, that's what everyone... I was like, are you kidding me? I don't see Lori as that much of a snake, but I hope he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Um, but, um, yeah, it's, I, that's the thing. In the past years, we've had, like, specific positions we absolutely know we need to improve on and, um, have had specific players that this year. It's not so much the same. It's more, I, we need a central midfielder because we can't just rely on Coughlin, but he's kind of fixed at least part of that problem. Goalkeepers, we could improve on our goalkeepers, but they're not bad, per se. Um, striker Olivier Giroud's been phenomenal. Like I said, I think he, as the main striker, if we surround the right people, we can win the t- we can win the title with him. We just we might need another striker because Danny Welbeck has not proved to be a great striker. Maybe a good squad player overall, but not a great striker. So I don't know. As far as players, I'd love to see join. A big flashy name would be a Marco Royce kind of player, that mm. third player in the front three. Do I think it's gonna happen? Yeah, because because no, you need more no. more attacking threats. That's yeah, definitely the problem at Arsenal. Get a freaking midfielder that can hold play. I said that was the flashy one. I don't think Morgan's <laughs> flashy, and that's also the only name I have. And do you not think it's crazy that that reports are, or that you've lost interest in Schneiderlin? No, I mean, I it might it might just be it might just be paper talk, but that's the thing. I don't. I there's one person I follow on Twitter who. He and it's not just one person. It's one person who's saying it's stronger than anyone else. But it's a is Wenger even interested in Schneiderlin specifically? Like he's a great player, but he's it's like there's a history of well, he doesn't seem like a player that Wenger's interested. Not in the mold, but this this specific player. Mm. Like when he was young at whatever club he came from in France, Wenger actually recommended him to Southampton. Wenger at that point in Arsenal, why would he not buy him himself? He was really believed to be really interested in him. Mm-hmm. Last summer he could have bought him. Or Southampton thought they were going to buy him. Came they came to their door like, all right, what do you want for Schneider? Like, we don't want Schneider. We want Chambers. I yeah. <laughs> They're like what? That, what? What? Yeah. No, they actually, change the paperwork. That is extremely extremely true how it worked how it went down. Um, it's really funny actually, but um, yeah, I I would love Schneiderland. He's exactly what we need he's the exact kind of player we need but i i do believe there is some kind of validity to the idea that maybe we don't we're not actually that interested in him so um schneider specifically i don't i don't know how that whole thing's gonna go down maybe we'll buy him maybe i'm totally wrong maybe the person I'm, i follow on twitter's wrong it wouldn't be a first time or maybe we won't touch him maybe we'll go for someone else we do need a central midfielder um as someone who we're not linked to at all, but I would love, I'd love James McCarthy. He'd work great. I'd love that. But, um, yeah, dream signing would be like, well, dream signing would be Laurie, to be honest. But um, just a, a good goalkeeper. So since not Laurie, I'm assuming that's not going to happen. I'll go check. 
even if I have some questions about him. Player, I think we're going to leave. I think there's going to be a lot of people leaving. Um, I think Podolski will be, go be going. Campbell will be going. Sunogo will either be going on loan or going permanently. Jenkinson might be going. I, Debushi's injuries open a, the tiniest, tiniest window, or open up the window the tiniest bit for Jenkinson. The fact that Debushi's been hurt so much. Um, that's on loan. I think that would be... Yeah, it might be it for players on loan. Walcott might leave. We know that. Um, there's Will, there's rumors for Wilshire, but I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, uh, Flemini will... God, I hope he leaves. Oh, he's so bad. Um, Riziki might leave, which would be sad, but he doesn't really play anymore, and he's better than the ben than not even making the bench. So I'd love him, but he might leave. Um, who else might leave? That might be it, or I might be missing somebody. But a lot of people might leave Arsenal this summer. It might and not for not they'd be by our own our own choice, which would be something new, which would be kind of nice. But I don't like to see players leave. But yeah, a lot of people might leave. There's a couple different signings I would like, but I'm not sure it'll happen. Fair enough, Zach. Who do you think uh, Liverpool will be chasing and letting go? Um, I'd really like to see us, obviously, because he's a brilliant player, go for Depay, and we've been really, really heavily linked with him this week, but. Obviously, I don't want to sound completely unrealistic because if there was a straight-up choice between Liverpool and United, you'd obviously pick United. Um, yeah, I'd love for us to get him. Um, he's brilliant on the ball, really good to watch, exciting player. Um, we could actually probably sell Sterling, sign Depay, get a better player and make a transfer profit. <laughs> so I yeah. think, do you know what I mean? And that's, that's the crazy world of the English transfer market. But... Um, He's, I'd really love to, to see him sign. There's a few others. Um, I really like Nine Golan at Napoli. Um, Lacazette, obviously, at Lyon, is someone who interests pretty much every big club in Europe. Um, I'd love to see Schneiderlin, Wanyama, either of those two for Southampton. Two of the ones we actually should have signed for Southampton, not the ones that we actually got. So it might look a bit embarrassing going to sign a fourth one, but we can always try. Um, Nathaniel Klein is another one I like him. Um, in terms of going out, um, I think John Flanagan will leave. I know that's not exactly the biggest note to start on in terms of the outgoing pile, but I think he'll be going. Oh, not him! I know, exactly. God. <laughs> Liverpool but... will crumble. They will be relegated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm being serious. People seem to talk like this on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they say, like, like oh, he's, a lot he's, he's the heart of the club. He's Scouse. <laughs> he must play. No, Manquillo's better. Yeah. So yeah. much better. He's I better saw, than Johnson as well. You. Someone retweeted a comparison between Flanagan and Mankio, and Mankio led in every single yeah, category. It's, it's embarrassing. Um, Flanagan's not good. Why? I like. I know he's scouts. It's kind of the same thing with us and Jenkinson, but uh, uh, we seem to accept Jenkinson, but he's not. He might not make it. I I really like Flanagan. Like he's got he has got some ability to him, but like being brave in the tackle and having character and being powerful, scouts like and being exactly, scouts. They, they shouldn't be like. They shouldn't be requisite qualities, qualities to be a Premier League team. Like I don't know, it worked out with us. That's in like game. bygone era. <laughs> that's like 1960s football when you could scissor kick someone in the chest and get away with it. Like now, so Nigel De Jong belongs in the 60s. That wasn't a scissor kick. Exactly. But you know, <laughs> yeah. In yeah. fact, I was about to talk about Alonso. Alonso say, says that in Spain, tackling is sort of like um, a last resort. Like it's not a skill. It's just something you have to you do, do when something's not going your way. <laughs> Like oh God, in oh God, England, 
Oh. In England, in like, and in terms of Flanagan's case, when people are on his side, people are thinking this is like this is where we need to be. Like, oh, we need to be big in the tackle. That's the first thing we should be good at. That's why we don't win anything. That's why England are where they are. But anyway, I digress. Other people going out, um, possibly Sterling, because it, it'd be absolutely suicidal to keep holding for another year if he's definitely not signed another contract. Because his value now, maybe, maybe, depending on who you're selling to, you could get £40 million, perhaps. If you leave it another year and he only has 12 months left in his contract, then you're talking... That like what happens to Van Persie with Arsenal United, so that's like his value is going to be like slashed by at least a third or something like that. So um, that that's going to be a big decision for the club to make. Um, Glenn Johnson, he looks to be finally getting out the door. Um, I think he's pretty much admitted that he's not going to be getting a contract, so that kind of made my week a little bit better. Um, Enrique, I'd look, he possibly might go. Which should be just like Johnson, that'd be great, but then we'd have to sign cover. Um, who else could go? Um, I suppose we could see a few loanees go out like Origi when he finally arrives back from Lille, but depends on who we sign up front. Lambert and Barini are two that will probably leave too. So, um, yeah, and obviously we've got um the captain Gerard leaving, so mm. there's quite a few um outs at the minute. We've got quite a few. Yeah, it's kinda of similar with us. I know you know, the whole veterans coup that we discuss every week. Um, so we'd assume most of them are gone. Kabul, Kapu, Lennon. Uh, Lennon on loan. Apparently Everton want to bring him back, but he doesn't want to stay. Don't know how true that is, but it is interesting nonetheless, as many, many teams would be interested in injecting his pace into their uh, squad, which is kind of funny since Pochettino complains about how we have no pace in the squad. But there you go. Um, one of Soldado Ade, I think will go, um, I think we'll hold on to the other one for one more season just to kind of make things even, but apparently we'd have to pay Ade's wages if he left, which would not be a thing that Daniel Levy would be want to do. Um, as far as players coming in, I already mentioned Thovan, I think is, is a likely signing. Um, I don't know. We're we're kind of in this weird place where we've been linked with so many players that we don't even know which ones uh, might be more likely. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of freezing on the spot here. <laughs> I don't, the players I would like, obviously, Depay was mentioned, Lacazette was mentioned. Those kind of players we could really use. We could really use a good passing midfielder. I've mentioned before. I, I like Danny Parejo or Manu Trigueros. If you say that, which is what I'm going to pretend is how you say that. Um, bringing somebody like that. I, I think the interesting thing about Nabil Bentaleb is that he's kind of pretty good at everything. So as far as trying to find a partner for him going forward, we could either go with like a destroyer, like on the cheap, like maybe like a Wanyama to allow him to kind of be in more of a box-to-box capacity. Or he has the defensive capabilities that if we brought in like a natural passing like deep lying playmaking midfielder that he could then adopt that role. So I, I it, like I said, it kind of opens up the the discussion to a whole gamut of players uh, that would be hard to narrow down on. Um, but yeah, Schneiderlin, because of the connection with Poch and because of the Premier League experience, I think would be a great signing. But kind of to Zach's point earlier, that buying Southampton players. Um, Hasn't really worked for for Liverpool, and it does make it a little more iffy. We're being linked with Jay Rodriguez because he's finally back and fit. 
um, but also not that keen on that anymore. So it'll be interesting to see, but but to just break it down uh, by position, we need another striker to replace one of the ones that's outgoing. We need another attacking midfielder to back up Ericsson. We need a passing midfielder to pair with Bentaleb, uh, and hopefully not a keeper, but if Lloris goes there. So uh, kind of like everybody's mentioning, there's probably going to be a lot of movement um, especially as we see more of the, the TV deals um, coming through and, and giving the clubs more money to play with. All right, and now on to match previews, where we're going to quickly break down the matches that our clubs are playing this weekend. We're going to start off with Zach and Liverpool's match against QPR. Um. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be the game that you'll tune into this weekend. <laughs> Charlie Austin Hattrick. Well, maybe. That would be pretty exciting, to be fair. Um, <laughs> worth worth the channel switch? No. Uh, no. Not for me, anyway. <laughs> Three um, penalties banged all up the middle. Down, <laughs> straight at the keeper. The middle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if you tune into the Liverpool game this weekend, you'll see a very, very sombre Anfield. Um, obviously, in the last few years, we've experienced seasons petering out like this, like with nothing to play for in the last few games something we kind of got used to until last season. We thought this season we might have something big to play for as well with, with the top four chase um, um, closing back up. But obviously the last four results have been absolutely appalling. Um, I think everyone's really down. To be honest, I can want, I can see another nil-nil, like similar to the West Brom game um, coming round because we literally do not seem to be able to create a chance of note like if you if you're into your stats, a chance could be anything. Sort of like a shot. You can have a. Ch- I think as far as I know, you can have a chance if you just have a shot from 25 yards, like Balotelli kicking it into like Rose Z or something. Mm. But like we we don't create any clear cut chances. Something that we've really nailed down in the second half of the season is um, expected goals against and not conceding these clear cut chances where like you're expected to uh, the opposition is expected to score. So, like in one half we've been getting it right, but in the other half we've been absolutely toothless, and that's really shown in in the last few games. Uh, obviously, we got one against United, um, one against Arsenal, but it was a penalty, and then West Brom we didn't get anything. Um, Hull we didn't get anything. It's like they're two really, they're two teams we should at least be scoring two against. Um, I think if you were to sort of watch a player on Liverpool's team from this game, um. I'd keep my own Felipe Coutinho. I know it sounds like something obvious to say, but from from what I see, he seems to be our only player, bar perhaps Sam Mignolet, who's sort of he's probably been one of our best players in the second half of the season. Um, he's like the only one in his keep at the minute. Like he doesn't. Coutinho's got this really. He seems to have this a really good heart and like really good a really good work ethic. Like we know he works hard, but and it, I think it shows in his character that. He, he accepted. He just accepted eighty five grand a week in his new contract at the, at the click of a finger. While Sterling is sort of like holding out for one hundred eighty k, and Sterling's sort of like downed tools in like the last five or six games. Whereas Coutinho is is just continually bustling, um, switching the play left to right, like trying to trying to find those channels. He's just sort of like he's not giving up, even though there's literally nothing to like keep him motivated. You know what I mean? Except for like self pride. So like, if you were to watch anyone. And you were to tune into this game, Coutinho would certainly be the player that I'd be watching simply because he seems to be the only Liverpool player who's still putting in 100% effort and heart. All right, uh, up next we have Tottenham's match against Manchester City, which is one of the biggest matches that no one has cared about all season. Um, 
honestly, even me myself, I didn't realize we were playing City till till Monday. Um, whereas usually you're like, oh, our next three matches are, are blank, blank, and blank, just kind of showing the, the interest level uh, in, in our season. Although if we won, we could be just five points behind uh, fourth, but I, I do think it's about a bit late for that ship uh, to sail. I do think it's definitely going to be an interesting one. Uh, if if you're a fantasy player uh, and saves aren't one of the most important stats, you need to drop both of these guys because you have Kane and Aguero who are currently tied for the golden boot uh, facing each other. So uh, unlike what Zach was saying, this one is definitely one to watch. There should be goals in this aplenty. No, yeah, yeah, Toure for Man City gives us a huge advantage. Uh, I don't know what the updated statistics are, but didn't they go like a year without a win without Yaya Toure? Um, he's obviously the driving force in that midfield, so it'll be interesting to see how they play without him. They will have just as much joy against our defense as the only three teams with worst uh, goals against records in the Premier League are relegated-bound Burnley, Leicester, QPR, and Newcastle. New- Newcastle obviously not on on the precipice, and Leicester might end up being safe, but Sunderland are the ones that are level with us on goals allowed, and they're just as in that relegation fight, so... Despite the fact that we are the uh, first team in the Premier League this season to have three players score 10-plus goals with Chadley, Erickson, and Kane, we can do nothing to stop people scoring against us at the back. So so much so that Vorm kept two clean sheets in his brief stint as keeper, and a couple people suggested that maybe Larissa's is the issue, and not as jokingly as they should have said something like that. Um, but there will definitely be goals in this. I think a win is super crucial for Manchester City. And I think it's pretty important for us as well, just to kind of, what what you were saying, Zach, earlier, kind of like marking the direction we're going heading into next year. And because both of us could really use a win, I think it'll be a bored draw. Um, maybe not bored, maybe 2-2, maybe kind of like the Southampton match. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think uh, either side is going gonna, is gonna to really make the case for them to win this match. So I'm, I'm going to go 2-2 draw. Uh, two by Kane and two in Aguero, in case anyone was wondering. Just because Kane getting the golden boot would be too good to be true. Alright, and Dan, tell us about your upcoming match against Hull. Well, we play Hull. Um, it's true! <laughs> um, it's not going to be the most interesting game. we got to win. Um, that's the thing, we don't have to win it. There's not as much pressure. It's just pressure to finish as high as we can, not like top four. Um, I think it's a game we should win. We This is our last away game, not including United. And I did the math. If City drop any more points, we can afford to lose to United as long as we win the rest of our games and still finish second. So that would be nice. And this is our last away game, so this would be... This puts us in a very good position. And also, if um, if Spurs drop any points this weekend and we win, I'm pretty sure that makes Monday St. Cotteringham's Day, yeah. which is a thing. <laughs> Um, there's really not a lot going for this whole Arsenal game. It's not going to be a lot. It's on a Monday night. Um, yeah, and, and Hull having just won. Uh, yeah, Hull, I'm not Hull. sure if that makes them, if that galvanizes them or makes it like, you know, we just won. We, we don't have to win this game anymore. Well, I'm yeah, sure I, I think they'll, they'll be looking at it as they have to win, but I'm not sure that, that their play will indicate that. Well, yeah, Hull are bad. There's that. But, um, yeah, no, I always, I know, um, the Hull City guy in here said that they need to win one of those games against the big yeah, team. And, and they and just done it. And it's, yeah. It is the whole... And they're going to pick up points them. against us. There's no doubt in my mind. 
Yeah, yeah, not wouldn't be big a shock, but mm. yeah, that's the whole. Does it galvanize them to play well against different notes, or does it, or can, is it like, all right, we beat the big team. If we just don't lose against Burnley, we shouldn't be going down. We can kind of sort of take our foot off the gas a bit. I don't know which way it'll go, but I think we should win either way. And yeah, it's again more closer to Zach than Kevin. Not quite. It's going to be a nil-nil, but not quite. It's going to be like I don't think it's going to be the most exciting game of the year either. But. Yeah, great advertisement for it. I'm so good at this. Um, yeah, I think we should wait. I'm going All right, to so result, 2-1 at the prediction. 2-1. Um, yeah. Fair enough. All right, and with that, we are out of time. So if you'd like to tell people where to reach you or any projects you're working on, now would be a good time. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm still Dan. You can catch me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits, and you can get my writing stuff on eplindex.com. Yep, I've been Zach throughout this podcast and still am. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at ZachForster underscore AI. You can find some of my writers on EPLindex.com and AmphitIndex.com. Although I've not been writing much at the minute, it's just previews. So if you're going to read it, read it this weekend. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. Yeah, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. Uh, we did fully intend to apologize to Zach and all of Liverpool for how harshly worded our arguments were against Coutinho. But let it be known that Zach thinks that Coutinho is underappreciated. And other people don't. Uh, <laughs> if you disagree with that, <laughs> feel free to continue tweeting me at Kevroff. If you want to tell us how we need to uh, adjust how we approach certain comments when other clubs aren't represented on our podcast, you can do so by tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us. It was a pleasure as always. We hope you keep listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.